Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we do thank you today. Lord, we look forward to this time in your word. And God, I pray, I pray that, Lord, you would, you would speak to our hearts. You would deal with issues in our lives. And Lord, uh, I guess some might say, hey, this isn't really a Mother's Day message, but it is a Mother's Day message because it tells us how to walk by faith, how to, how to trust you. So I pray once again, Lord, that you would allow what happened in that generation and how it was addressed to impact us and cause us, Lord, to draw closer to you, fall more in love with you, wanna walk with you. So bless this time, open up our hearts, Lord, I guess first you have to open up our ears and our minds so we can hear and understand, but then open up our hearts so we would change. And God, have your way in each and every person that's listening, in every single home that we're in right now, Lord, move in a mighty way and touch hearts and change lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, Galatians chapter five, we're picking it up in verse 16. I see sometimes on Facebook, people keep saying, where are we? So I put that up again. Hey, as we get into this, I love this section of scripture. And we were gonna go all the way to the end of the chapter, but last night they were like slow listeners and we didn't make it all the way to the end. So we're gonna like change it up a little bit. But uh, we left off with James and James was telling us kinda, you know, to just sum it up, if you didn't uh, hear last week, and you can always watch it or, or listen to the uh, recording online. But James was telling us how to walk in this world without getting tangled up in material things and not allowing material things to be, to be what drives us and motivates us. And, and hey, we listen to that and we hear that, and then sometimes it's like, well, how do I really flesh that out? How do I do that? And then when we left off in Galatians... A few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, Paul told us we needed to get out from under the law and be free from the law, but we don't use that freedom to sin. We don't use that freedom as a, as a, 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 as a, a, a means of just doing whatever I wanna do. So how do I do that? Where, how, do I, how do I manage this? Well, today we're gonna find out. Paul makes it real simple. He says we need to walk in the spirit and we're gonna talk about that today and what that means for us. So I want us to realize, listen, it's not impossible to serve the Lord. It's not impossible to have victory over sin in our lives. All we have to do is trust God and walk with him. So look at verse one. He says in verse one, and I'm sorry, verse 16, Verse one in my head, but verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I kind of like this. He says, I say then. So, hey, he's just told us to love one another, not be bitter with one another, not, not, not devour and bite one another. And then he says, hey, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what does walk in the spirit mean? And I think, I think it's a, quote, overused term, misused term in a lot of the church. Walk in the spirit doesn't mean that you're like walking three feet off the ground or something and you're doing it. And I don't think it's as mystical as some people 
want to pretend it is. There are some people that are real mystical. I'm not a mystical guy. I, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, before I got saved, I had a lot of friends. Uh, I'm from Bisbee. I had a lot of friends that were in Eastern thought and Eastern mysticism and, and stuff. My, one of my, my, like my best friend since the time we were in kindergarten, he was all into the reincarnation stuff. And I'll never forget, he told me he was King Tut in his former life. And then I went to Bible college and the Bible college director said before he got saved, he was into Eastern thought and he was King Tut in his former life. And then I began to investigate this and everybody was something kind of really famous in their, in their former life. And so back to my best friend, he goes, hey, I was King Tut in my former life. And I go, really? And he says, yeah. And I said, and now you're in Bisbee, Arizona? Dude, it's not working out for you. You're going backwards, right? So listen, man, I'm thinking reincarnation, you should be getting better and better and better in each life. But he was getting worse and worse and worse. And so I was never, I was never like real mystical. And in my Christianity, I'm not a mystical kind of guy. I've said it a lot. I said it a lot. I think Thursday night, I say it when I'm teaching, I'm a simple guy. And when it says walk in the spirit, I don't wanna make it all complex. I don't wanna make it all mystical. I don't think God said, listen, man, I'm gonna tell you something and then if you get the decoder ring, you can figure out what I'm talking about. I don't wanna serve a God that way. I wanna serve a God that says, here's what I want you to do, just go do it. So what does walk in the spirit mean is, as we think biblically, what does it mean? I think it just simply means you walk yielding your life to God, yielding your life to Jesus Christ, yielding your life and obeying the things in his word and spending time with him and having a relationship with him and developing that relationship. I don't think it's real hard. My mom, when I was growing up, my mom always used this term, even as I, as I was, quote, a young man, uh, she always used this term. She would always say, hey, Pat, you know, just as you do things, just use this phrase, kiss. And that meant my mom would tell me, here's what she would tell me. Kiss means keep it simple, stupid. Now, I know some people don't like, you can't call people stupid. And they say kiss means keep it simple, sweetheart. Not to my mom, it didn't. My mom never told me keep it simple, sweetheart. She says keep it simple, stupid. And, but listen, we, we, can, you can, we can now say, we can say it this way. Kiss biblically means keep it simple, saint. How's that? And we'll do that. But when you make it all complex, here's the deal. If you read this and somebody makes this really complex, walking in the spirit means, you know, you have to reach this point where you're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you reach this achievement. You gotta, you gotta get so close to God and you gotta listen and it's all mystical and you gotta achieve this. I know for me, I, I hear people doing that and I go, well, I can't do that. And I get defeated. And then I don't even try and walk in the spirit because I feel all defeated. That bums me out. Listen, it's not, it's not some mystical thing that you have to achieve to, that you have to reach up to and grab a hold of. If God did that, why on earth would Jesus then come and die for our sins? God reached down to us to save us. And so listen, man, walking in the spirit to me is yielding to him. Now, the word walk there, because he's going to use it several times in, in, in this passage, that word walk means start going forward. So here's what I feel he's saying. 
He's saying, in light of what he's just talked about, how we're free from the law, in light of what James has just talked about, about not getting caught up in material things, here's how we get victory over that. We begin moving forward in the spirit, going forward with God and walking with God, so to speak. And he says, hey, if you do that, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Here's what I know. If I'm close to God and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn near to him and I'm fellowshipping, although fellowshipping's a little weird right now, right? We're doing it online. But if I'm doing those things, I'm generally not fleshing out. I mean, I usually, when, when I'm reading my Bible, I'm usually not sinning at the same time. When I'm praying, I'm usually not thinking about some horrible thoughts in my life. I'm, I'm usually like really close to God. I think you've heard it said before, when there's a dog fight, which dog's gonna win the fight? And the old saying is, the one you feed the most, he's gonna get the strongest. Well, it's the same thing here. How do I not fulfill the lust of the flesh? By taking care of my spirit, by reading God's word, by staying close to, to the Lord, and we're gonna find out in a minute, hey, it's not something you gotta do and you're gonna muster up. You just gotta walk with the Lord. You gotta hang out with him. Gaynell and I were talking this morning before I left and uh, this October, her and I will be married 50 years. We got married, we got married when we were five. So just thought you guys should know because we're under that 57. So, but anyway, uh, thinking about that, hey, I've gotten to know that lady and I got to know her really well. Why? Because I'm hanging out with her. I'm spending time with her. And it's the same in our relationship. Listen, I don't strive in my marriage. Now, I'm not saying marriage isn't work, but I don't strive. I hang out with her. I pay attention to her. I listen to her. Well, this is the same thing here spiritually. If I don't want to get caught up into sins, then I spend time with my God. And I hang out with him. So listen, he says that. Oh, and I do want to say this because he says, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I think a lot of times when we just hear that in our generation, our culture, when we hear lust of the flesh, we think of just sexual things. He's not talking about sexual things right here. He's talking about all, when he talks about flesh, flesh is this. Listen, flesh isn't our flesh and blood. You know, in the Bible, occasionally it's that. They use that word, sarks. But generally it's speaking about this world system and our old nature. I believe if you've been with Calvary very long, you know that we believe we are born sinners. We're born with a sin nature. When a little guy comes home, little baby, it's not long before they start sinning, right? They start acting like they're hungry when they're really not hungry and they start throwing a fit and whining. And, and you like try and feed them, nope, they're not hungry. And all they want is attention. And so, hey, it doesn't take long even for an infant to start sinning. You know, it's, it's funny because some people like give me dirty looks when I say that until they have an infant. And then they go, oh. But we're born with this sin nature. It's innate within us to be sinners. We don't, listen, we don't become sinners by sinning. We sin because we are sinners and we need to be saved. So when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about that nature. And then some people would say, well, wait a minute. I thought Romans said the old man died, and, and so that sin nature is dead. 
We got a few people, a few guys in the room t- today. Uh, I would have, if I asked them to raise their hand, if they are still sinning because of that sin nature, everyone would raise their hand. Listen, we still sin. Why? That sin nature's alive. Well, what did Paul mean when he said the old man died? In Romans chapter six, when it says that old man died, he's talking about who we were in Adam. You see, when we're born with that sin nature, we're born where, I, I look at it this way, where the, the uh, uh, sin, the flesh, the sin nature is kind of in charge, then there's our soul, and then there's the spirit, and that's kind of how we function in life, and the spirit is just like on life support. It's barely there. And then when we get born again, when we ask Jesus to save us and we're born again, something really happens. That person dies. That person is gone. We're raised into a newness of life. We're raised in Christ. And our new nature now is the spirit is alive and should be guiding and governing us. Then our soul, but that sin nature didn't go away. It's still down here. And that's what Paul is talking about. And when he says, listen, you will not fulfill the less of the flesh he's talking about the desires just just fleshly desires in other words if you walk in the spirit you're not going to sin a whole bunch that's what he's saying now i know that was a long time for one verse and some of you are going dude you need to move on you're not going to finish no we're not going to finish the chapter i know that pastor jack's back there doing this and and telling me to go ahead but listen to what he says in verse 17 for the flesh desires against or lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so you do not do the things that you wish. How many of you can read verse 17 and say amen? I believe, listen, I believe at Calvary here most of us are born again and I believe being born again we want to live Right, we want to do right things. But I also know being born again, we sin. And here's what he's saying, you have this tug of war going on in you, you have this battle going on in you, and sometimes the flesh wins out. Why do we speed when we're driving? Because the flesh wins out. Why do you get all ticked off if somebody cuts you off? Because the flesh wins out. Why when you're standing in line, waiting patiently, and somebody does something, cuts in front of you? I remember a few years ago when they first started doing self-checkouts, and, and we were in fries, and I'm standing in line, and this guy comes and just, and goes right to the thing, right around me. And he went up there, and... I was so walking in the spirit that I just said, God bless you, brother. I hope you get checked out. Not. Here's what I did. Hey, there's a line back here. And Gaynell's like, shut up, stop it. And I'm going, no, you, get back here. I said, you think we're standing here for our health? Get back. And she goes, you're a pastor. You pastor a church. And I go, I don't think he knows that, and I'm mad. So listen, that's, that's the flesh, right? And here's what he's saying, man. Who won that moment in my heart? The flesh. 
And we have this battle. Romans chapter 7, if you're not familiar with it, read Romans chapter 7. That's where Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And blah, 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 and he goes on and on and on. And then he says, how am I going to fix this? And he says, through faith in Jesus Christ. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 does the same thing. We have this battle. We have a war going on. And I like what somebody said. This, verse 17, Romans chapter 7, 1 Peter chapter 2, is unique to Christians. Before you're saved, you just sin. It's easy, right? Come on, guys. Nudge your heads. But after you get saved, you have this battle going on. It's unique to Christians because now you have this conflict going on within you where your sin nature saying, do it, do it. And your, your spirit that's been alive now and this Holy Spirit is in you saying, don't, don't. And you have it. So which one do you listen to? And so that's the dilemma that Paul talks about here. And he says, hey, you need to know that is happening within you. But then verse 18 says, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Oh, man, if we could learn one thing from this, listen, we don't need a law. We don't need to be under rules and regulations and et cetera and religious stuff to have victory in our walk with God. All of that, listen, all of that is going to fail us eventually. Oh, it might work for a while, but eventually it's not going to work. We need to be, what does he say? Led by the Spirit. It's kind of the same thing. Again, not some mystical thing. I like it. I love it when people come up. You know, God just led me here, and he wants me to tell you something. That always, like, like freaks me out. When somebody tells me God wants them to tell me something, I have to be honest. I get a little bit edgy. And I'm not saying that God couldn't speak to somebody to speak to me. I know that can happen. But generally speaking, it's like, it's usually somebody that's, how do I put this? That's a little different. And then they come up and they go, you know, I was led here and God wants me to tell you something. I'm always, I always think, oh, here we go. And then you sit down and they tell you something bizarre. I mean, it's not even close to who you are or what you're thinking. And, you know, hey, I believe God could tell somebody to tell me something about sin in my life and they could come and share that with me. But it's usually something bizarre, you know, like you need to walk on the moon or something like that. And, and I just, I always think, listen, that's not being led by the Spirit. So again, it's not something mystical. What does he mean being led by the Spirit? I think it's real simple. You just start listening to God. And how do I begin listening to God? God's never spoke audibly in these ears. I wish he would. I think it would be really cool. Number one, I'd like to hear his voice because we always do God's voice as, hello, 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 hello. Who knows if it's deep. Maybe he's got like a really high voice. We don't know that. But I want to hear, I would love to hear the voice of God. But how do I, how do I listen to God? Pretty simple. He gave us this conglomeration of 66 books. And he says, here I spoke to you. I'm revealing myself to you. I want to reveal my heart to you. And he shows us that. So if I want to be led by the Spirit, i got to get in his word so I know him and know the direction to go. So this is, it's, you know, again, simple. Just start getting in your word and check this out. Start following the word. So now, listen, now Paul gets into some intense stuff. 19, 20, and 21, to me, 
are pretty profound verses. Here's what he says. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, and the, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, hey, that's intense to me. As he begins to give this list, I, I like reading this list, and some of these things I know that I'm far, far away from. And some of these things I probably did yesterday. And we need to understand that. And first of all, he starts out with this. The works of the flesh. If you mark your Bible, mark that. Highlight that. Underline that. And, and, and pay attention to that. It's a work of the flesh. It's something that you do and you accomplish. And you need to know that. And he says then, he goes, listen to this. The works of the flesh are what? evident they're evident in people's lives hey we think we get away with sin when i do the pottery presentation i i, I do the thing about centering the pot and when it's not centered it's going all over and and then i say that's that's what we look like when we're not centered on jesus and and everybody laughs and does stuff it's true man your life is evident and some people are going seriously like you can see what i'm doing right now right now i can see what you're doing in your house not really but it's evident. And Paul says, listen, these works are, oh, by the way, this is a, a, a long list. There's other lists in Mark chapter seven, Romans chapter one, 1 Corinthians chapter six, 1 Timothy chapter one, 2 Timothy chapter three, Revelation chapter 21. You can read, listen, and, and at the end of this list, here's what he says. And he says, all of these things and the like, like there's a whole bunch more, but he's just kind of giving us a, you know, a, an overview of what he's looking at. Now, when I read this list, I'm gonna leave this up. You can take a picture of it if you're at home and then you can look those uh, passages up. But in this list, he starts out with sexual sins. Then he talks about religious sins. Then he talks about relationship sins. And then lastly, he talks about social sins. So he brings up to me four categories that he deals with that he talks about, and, and we could categorize them that way. And a couple of these I'm gonna define because I, I think we need to define them. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory. But in the New King James, he starts out with adultery. He says there, these works are evident, which are adultery. Now, my Bible has a little a by that and a little footnote that adultery is not in most, uh, most of the uh, translations. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I just want to explain what adultery is because I think it's important. Adultery is any, is when somebody, when somebody uh, abuses or goes against their vows, breaks their vows that they've given to another and has a sexual relationship with somebody else. And Here's my heart on that. That devastates people. It devastates just about everybody involved in it. And some of you I know have gone through that and, and you have that pain, you have that hurt in your heart and, and man, I pray for you and I pray that God would heal that. But listen, man, he says that's a work 
of the flesh. And then the next one is fornication. And most translations don't have adultery because fornication covers adultery. And fornication is this. Plain and simple, fornication is sexual relationships outside of the bonds of marriage. Any sexual relationship outside the bonds of marriage. That's fornication. You know, it's interesting. When I first got saved, I I read from the New International Version, and the New International Version, I believe, has sexual immorality. And somebody said, oh, you know, that's too broad of a term. If you tell somebody in this generation sexual immorality, they won't understand it, and you would have to explain to them what sexual immorality because it's kind of a sliding scale for some people, and you'd have to explain that. Well, you know what? If somebody doesn't know what sexual immorality is, I guarantee you they don't know what fornication is. So you have to explain it either way. And that person doing that, they were down on that translation. But fornication, again, any any sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage. Now, I want to say this. I'm going to rephrase that. Any sexual activity outside the bonds of biblical marriage. Because I think that's important. Because in our generation, marriage has got tossed out the window. The Bible defines marriage as one man and one woman coming together and making vows to one another. That's biblical marriage. So any sexual activity outside the bonds of biblical marriage is fornication. I don't care, I don't care how you try and dress it, I don't care how you try and make it, that's fornication, and that's a work of the flesh. And Paul is letting us know. And then he goes, listen, I, and I think these kind of build on one another. Fornication, I think, leads to uncleanness. Uncleanness, uh, uh, somebody defined it this way. Uncleanness, and I, I, various translations have various words. Uncleanness is this, the opposite of purity. So it's just some gross, vile things within, you know, within the act of, of sexual activity. And, and uh, then he goes a little bit further and says lewdness. Lewdness then is taking those things that, quote, should be behind closed doors, although I don't think they should be, but then taking them and just broadcasting them and making them public. So listen, it goes from maybe the simple act of some sexual relationships to perverted sexual relationships, to perverted sexual relationships publicly. Sound familiar? Sound like our world today? How it's progressed into that? And now, hey, there's things that sometimes I see on television, I think, wow, what just happened? Where did that come from? And so that's the sexual part. Now, something, because I know some people might be feeling picked on or, or, or feeling like, whoa, well, listen, Those aren't the only ones. All of these are in the same camp. Every single thing listed here is a work of the flesh. So let's go from sexual to religious. He says, verse 20, idolatry and sorcery. Those are the two religious uh, works of the flesh. Idolatry is putting anything before God. It's plain and simple because most of us today, we don't have little idols in our, in our, our, our possession. We don't, we don't go in and worship like a, a statue or do that. And, and so, but we worship other things. Some of us, some of us maybe, maybe our car is an idol. For some of us, maybe it's a new boat you just got. Hate to pick on you. Maybe it's whatever, and you can plug it in. Maybe it's your career. Check this out. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Anything that you put above God, 
becomes an idol. And I think we need to understand that. Maybe it's sports. Some of us are really into sports. And, you know, like me, I love golf. And if I put that above God, it becomes my idol. And I begin to, to do that. And then sorcery is kind of the, the practicing of that idolatry is the way I like to say it. Although it comes from the word pharmakia and, and uh, you know, that we get pharma, pharmacy from or phar, and it's pharmakia. And, you know, there's that part involved but you know, some witchcraft and stuff. But I, I, I like to say it's just a practice of idolatry. So there's those. Now the next, listen, the next few are talking about relationship. So works of the flesh, listen to these. He says, he says after he goes sorcery, he says hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, some of yours has factions there, but heresies, envy, and murders. Some of yours don't have murders. So did you get an idea of this is kind of our interaction with one another? And I want us to realize something. If you're somebody that's causing some division in your family, in the church, that's a work of the flesh. And that's just as sinful as somebody who's committing adultery on their spouse. We need to understand that. And God looks at it and, and, and he busts us on that. And I would have to say, some of us, we're pretty good with the sexual part. We're like, made it through that part. And then we go, idolatry, but I, I kind of get through, I, I, I'll get a grip on it. But then we come to these and we go, oh, ouch, 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 ouch. As we read each one, it like gets a little bit deeper and a little bit harder. And, you know, we, we think, man, you know, uh, hatred, I don't know that I'm into hatred. Except I really hate it when, oh, then you have it, right? How many of us say that? Or, or you know, some of us, we're contentious as we can be. Some of us like to call that, you know, I'm a prophet, no, you're just contentious. And some of us are jealous. You know, and again, I don't think we need to defi define these. I think they're pretty self-defining. And I think a lot of us understand that's going on within us. So those are things, social things, that affect our walk with the Lord that are works of the flesh. Then, then he wraps us up with a couple, I call them social things, drunkenness and revelries. And drunkenness, listen, in, in our culture, in America, we should understand drunkenness. Now, I know some people get all blowed up. I have a lot of young people tell me, dude, you are just so, you're so narrow. I understand that the Bible doesn't say we cannot have any alcoholic beverages. I know that. They like to remind me. I know, I know what the Bible says. But I also know that the Bible says right here, drunkenness is a work of the flesh. And so if you drink, and you drink in any way, whether it's just, you know, I hear some people, even Christians say, you know, a glass or two of wine, it just takes the edge off. Oh, so now you're getting a little bit of a buzz. Hmm, okay, God bless you. But you need to read your Bible. Drunkenness is, is a work of the flesh. We need to know that. And I say this, and this is where the young people really get mad, because they go, you are so like out of it. I can guarantee you a way to never get drunk because my Bible says drunkenness is sin. I don't want to get drunk. I don't want to sin. I guarantee you a way never to get drunk. Don't drink. 
Oh, man, that is so narrow. Hey, I'm just telling it like it is. You do what you want, but you need to know. Now, listen, as we finish this up, drunkenness, and drunkenness usually leads to revelry. Have you, those of you, I remember when I used to drink, I did things when I was inebriated that I would never do when I was sober. That's revelry, right? You kind of go, whoa, I can't believe. And it's really bad when somebody tells you what you did the next morning, but we don't want to go there. So, hey, so you got drunkenness, revelry, and then he says this. He says, he says and, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, so Paul's already talked about it in his letters to the Corinthians, just as I also told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen carefully. He says if you practice, underline that word practice, underline it real heavy. If you practice those things, you will not inherit. That doesn't mean if I'm going along and I flesh out like the guy who cut me off at Fry's. I didn't exhibit walking in the Spirit. I didn't exhibit being led by the Spirit. I exhibited flesh completely. By the way, that was several years ago. I've come so far since then. But listen, I fleshed out. Does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? No. He says those who practice such things, those who habitually do those things. I want to make that clear because here's what I know. You read that list, you do those things because they're a work of the flesh. And our flesh is still with us. So I know we do those things. So it's not like what we call slipping up and doing those things and losing it and fleshing out. It's like those who are habitually doing those things. And if you're habitually doing those things, here's what the Bible says. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. God said that. So you need to know that. Now we were going to go on and do some more but we got to stop here. So, and I hate to leave it right there because I wanted to get into the, to verse 21, but the fruit of the Spirit, because that's the good news, but you have to come next week. We just have to do that because I know you got kids with you and I know moms are wanting to get to those pancakes and you want to get everything going and all the stuff, the cupcakes, all the things happening, all the things that your husbands and children have done for you. I know you want to get involved in that. So we're going to stop there. But it kind of bums me. But before we do, just, just, I, I just got to go a little bit. Look at verse 25. If, and we'll do more of this next week. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Once again, he's letting us know, listen carefully. You cannot defeat the flesh in your own strength. It's not going to happen. You're not going to defeat the flesh by making rules and regulations. You're not going to win over the flesh by, you know, being a religious person. You're not going to even win over the flesh by trying to accomplish certain things. You're going to beat the flesh by... Walking in the Spirit. Hanging out with God. Getting as close as you can to Jesus. That's how you're going to do it. So that's what Paul's point is here. So he lists these bad things so we would understand. This is reality in our life. This is what life looks like. But you and I, if you're born again, we have the ability to overcome the flesh with the Spirit. And we need to know that, and we need to rely on the Spirit of God. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you once again, God, for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, for challenging us. 
And as we look at this passage, Lord, I, I know it's kind of, it, it's not a great place to end. It's kind of like, oh, man, that was, that was hot and heavy. And yeah, Lord, it did come in kind of, kind of come in hot. And uh, I know that uh, it's things that we have to deal with and look at. And I know that's life. And verse 17 says, hey, we're going to have this battle going on. And it's going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until the day we die. I've read the whole Bible. And here's what I know. We are not going to become sinless until we die and go to heaven and get our glorified bodies. So until then... We're gonna have this issue going on in our life. And the only way to have victory is for us to draw close to you. So I pray, I pray for myself. I pray for brothers and sisters watching online right now, participating with us. God, draw us close to you. Part of that victory over the flesh is what we've done here this morning, gathering together, hearing your word, having it explained, and now we have to go out and do your word. Now we have to go walk in the spirit. We have to go and be led by the spirit. We have to be people who live in the spirit and walk in the spirit so that we can have victory. And from all of that, here's what I've learned. God is the one who is going to give me victory over the flesh. I just gotta get close to him. It's sort of like having a big brother to take care of us. And that's what we want, Lord. We want to have victory. So draw our hearts close to you. And I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer. Everybody who's watching right now, begin to pray. And if, you've, if you're not born again, if you're watching today, maybe mom asked you to watch for Mother's Day. Maybe you went to see her and she goes, here's the one thing I want you to do. And you're watching me and you're, you're a little bit, you're, you're very convicted or even a little bit convicted. I wanna challenge you right now. The Bible says, hey, if you know right now you're not gonna inherit the kingdom of God, you can change that in an instant by calling on the name of the Lord. You see, our sin separates us from God. The Bible tells us that. Oh, and the Bible tells us everyone has sinned. But it separates us from God. Jesus paid that price he paid what we owe, that separation from God. He did it in a moment, an instant of time on the cross. And now he offers to you all of your debt that you owe God paid in full. If you committed one sin, you're separated from God. And I know most of us have committed multiple sins and multiple of multiple sins. But Jesus paid for it all. And he offers you that freedom right now. And I know if you're with mom, she's praying for you. And you need to take this step of faith and you need to receive that gift that he's given you. And if you receive from him that payment for your sin, you will be what we call born again. And you will begin this journey that we're talking about. So if you want, if you wanna be able to have victory over sin, because here's what I know, it's already destroying your life. You're already, listen, you're already a miserable individual. Anybody who doesn't know Jesus is miserable inside. So if you want your sin forgiven, right now, right now, say this prayer with me. Say it out loud right there in your home. Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm sorry 
God, that I sinned against you. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Jesus, today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer right now, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. One, I'm going to ask you to text us, 520-210-3678. Send us a text and let us know, hey, you made that decision. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to go to Calvary, uh, calvarysv.org. That's our website. There's going to be a, a menu that you can pull down, and it will take you to our New Believers page. It'll help you out. We've got information there to, to uh, help guide you along the way and make sure you get a good start. We want that to happen. 